Now playing Movie Reviews in 20 Qs. Good people, and welcome to the podcast Movie Reviews in 20 Qs. The show where we review a movie by asking 20 weird and wonderful questions about it. This week's film is Godzilla, King of the Monsters. The latest offering from Hollywood. I can't even remember the name. (laughs) Hollywood at large. Somebody. And, well, I threw it out there to all my usual guest hosts that we have that live locally and said, hey, would you guys like to go see this film? I'll pay for your tickets. And a resounding no from at least eight different people. So why not? Why not go out there into the universe and get two of the oh, most awesome podcasters out there that I can possibly get to come on this podcast and talk with me about this film? They also said no. Is that because we're the only ones who said yes? <laughs> yeah, well done. Correct. You have seen through my ruse. You guys are the only two people that said yes. <laughs> I mean, you know me. You know I love a trash movie, so I was well and truly in for this. This was already on our <laughs> schedule anyway, so we actually bumped it for something else. <laughs> yeah. Tofu, I feel like you're the one that's just like fucking bent over backwards to do this one. Yeah, I'm the one operating under duress here. <laughs> <laughs> but welcome, guys. How are you? Doing good. Doing great. Any fitter, I'd be dangerous, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I am. I mean, I can see Billy right now, and that's a fact. Yep. <laughs> How are you doing? Oh, yeah, not bad, not bad. About as good as I'm doing at the moment. Ginger Princess is heavily pregnant and keeping me up all night, and so we're doing recording this at 10 a.m. on so, my Sunday morning after about four hours sleep, so yeah, I'm going good, yeah. So you're the, you, like, you're the one doing the heavy lifting in this pregnancy then? Yeah, oh, totally, man. This is like a one-man show at the moment. She's just fucking lying there. It's just I'm just I'm just going to bat hard for this woman, man. It's fucking oh, tough work. Tough. All women you, have all no idea said. how bad we've got it, man. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Godzilla, King of Monsters. Uh, I think most people are generally sort of aware about what this film is about, but if you're not planning on going to see it and you want to listen to the podcast anyway, I'm just going to hit you with a quick plot of it, uh, which is not correct having a look at it, but this is the one I found on the internet. Members of the cryptozoological agency Monarch face off against a battery of god-sized monsters, including the mighty Godzilla, who collides with Mothra, not correct, Rodin, and his ultimate nemesis, the three-headed King Ghidorah, although they just call him Ghidorah in the film. When these ancient superspecies fought to be mere myths rise again, they all vie for supremacy, leaving humanity's very existence hanging in the balance. Enough of that's true. Yeah, it's more or less on the way there. Starring Vera Farmiga, oh, God, I love her, Ken Watanabe, Sally Hawkins, Kyle Chandler, Millie Bobby Brown, Brady Whitford, and Thomas Middlechurch and O'Shea Jackson Jr., aka Ice Cube's son. But enough of that. Looking at the reviews for this movie, IMDb have it at 6.7 out of 10, Rotten Tomatoes 40%, and Metacritic 48%. Now, Billy, you were the one that was most excited about doing this, so why don't you lead us off? What would you give this as a score out of 10,000 lizards? It'll shock nobody that I actually enjoyed this movie. <laughs> but, but within reason. It's no higher than a 6,872. Interesting. 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 <laughs> what about you, Toe? I'm going to pretty well cut that in half. <laughs> I'll go with a 3,341. I can't believe it's that high for you. So in your eyes, this is better than Tommy Boy. Everything, in fairness, <laughs> is better than Tommy you Boy. You are such a dickhead. <laughs> Except Reindeer Games. <laughs> the video of me getting a prostate exam is better than Tommy Boy. <laughs> oh, and so. has rewatch factor. <laughs> So for I think you're being generous, I'm going to give this 2,999. Oh, 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 yes. Oh. I don't know if you've been on Letterboxd, Billy, but I actually left a three and a half out of five star review on there just to like give you a false sense of hope. <laughs> just to trick me. <laughs> <laughs> 
just to lure you in with the long game. But uh, oh, you got me, man. You got me. It's bad. <laughs> it is really, bad. The, the only thing that gets it over 3,000 is essentially Vera Farmiga because she's great. <laughs> that is correct. I, I'm quite a fan of Kyle Chandler as well, but ruining what we're supposed to get into, which is the 10 questions that we comply to any movie. Anyone that's listened to this podcast before knows that we always start with the compliment sandwich, which is one thing good, one thing bad, one thing good. Except there's been a new rule introduced. If you give a movie a score of under 4,000, you get to give it a shit sandwich, which is one thing bad, one thing good, <laughs> and one thing bad about this film. Congratulations, Topher, me you were in that camp. But Billy, why don't you lead us off, mate? So since I have the correct score and get to do a correct compliment sandwich, <laughs> the first good thing is the monsters, man. The design is like, it's so bedded in the original designs of these monsters. Like if you look at the original King Ghidorah from the early 90s, it looks exactly like the one that's up there now. And it is awesome. Just the design in general, the CG is really solid. I'm just a big fan of the monsters. The one bad thing is every human character, especially the ones who don't say, let them fight. (laughs) Because you could cut every human out of this movie and it would be a 10,000 out of 10,000. <laughs> and the last good thing is the only two decent human characters, Bradley Whitford and Ken Watanabe, who both do say, let them fight. <laughs> <laughs> True. Interesting. Interesting. What about you, Topher? Why don't you start us off with your shit sandwich? Okay, shit sandwich. When running at pace, Godzilla's stumpy little arms make him look like a kid charging at a cookie jar. Yeah. And take away... Godzilla. <laughs> like, is there anything less impressive than the fat kid from The Simpsons running after food. Like, you you cease to be, like, awed by Godzilla and you're like, ah, look at him go. <laughs> no, he's awesome. He's got that weird pudgy little face. Like, he's just yeah. so cute. Godzilla is just the fat kid from primary school. <laughs> yeah, he's you. He's you without the bowl cut. <laughs> I, I feel like he should be, you know, more than that. Something good. I appreciate any movie where humans are responsible for putting the earth on a path to total destruction, like in, you know, real life. (laughs) So props for that. Realism. Um, Another bad thing is the the mass destruction in the film. And this is not lit. There's a lot of films that follow this in kind of current day CGI fests where everything just gets raised to the ground in a manner where... It doesn't matter because everything's been raised to the ground. There's no scale to it. It's just, oh, yeah, there's another building going down. And could I care less? No, I could not. (laughs) It's funny because that's actually one of my negative things for this film as well. Is by the time the end rolls around, when Godzilla's having that giant battle with King Ghidorah and Mothra shows up and Rodan or whatever, I just didn't give a fuck by that point. I'd become so desensitized to the enormity of the destruction that I was like, who gives a shit? Good thing. Vera Farmiga. Yeah, that's about it. I I love her. I I tolerate a lot of things that she's in. Kyle Chandler. Yeah, not so bad. And then old Tywin Lannister for all of two scenes that he's in. He's not too bad as well. And then final shit thing. Look, it's it's just nonsense. There's no like reason why any of these people need to be in a plane that close to a giant monster, especially your scientific crew. What purpose is there of having those guys there? The fighter pilots, like, you can shoot them from a lot further away than within arm's reach, just quietly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Idiots. Exactly. Sure, it makes for a kind of cool shot of all these fighter pilots flying over Godzilla's shoulder and unleashing their arsenal or whatever, but man, what? Who cares? Get the fuck out of there, boys. Use some tactics. <laughs> what would Maverick do? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Probably start World War Three, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho, that moves us on to question number two. So what is it there, Billy? Yeah. 
All right. Which character would fart in a crowded place and not care? I'm going with Bradley Whitford's character, Dr. Rick Stanton. That was my answer. If film and TV have taught me anything, it's that career scientists don't know how to act around other humans. That's correct. Uh, Similar to you, Billy, I had him as well. (laughs) It's a hat trick. Yeah, yeah. I thought he would actually be most likely to fart either in or out of character. (laughs) Brad Whitford's around. Bradley Whitford seems like a bit of an animal. Also, any of the monsters, man, they don't seem to care about who or what is around them. They'd just be crop dusting throughout the entire city. (laughs) (laughs) Imagine what Mothra's is like as well. I mean, it has fucking these webbings coming out of its mouth. Oh, yeah, there'd be pollen shooting out of that arsehole everywhere. (laughs) That's true. Oh, man, why don't I use that for my next question, which is deep philosophical debate? (laughs) God damn it. I was wondering how long it would take into an episode before Billy brought up bottoms. (laughs) (laughs) Question three. What deep philosophical debate arose in you during this film? Uh, For me, it was Vera Farmiga's motivation, right? So her child dies at the hands of a giant monster, and she makes it her life's goal to release more fucking monsters into the wild with the intention of, like, wiping out the planet. So I was thinking, if my child died, would I go around trying to destroy the entire world and short answer is no. No, I fucking wouldn't. It's stupid. Yeah, that, that didn't make a lot of sense. But I, I was I was more on Ken Watanabe's wavelength. I was thinking, what right do we really have to kill these monsters? Aren't they like the original owners of this land? You know, we should we should really just let them do what they want to do. <laughs> the first white Australians did not think that way, Billy. No, they did not. <laughs> I'm just imagining all these monsters showing up and Billy just rolling onto his back is like, take me, I'm done, yeah. it's all yours. <laughs> We're like, Yep, go for it. You are my new god. (laughs) I'd start doing cave paintings right then and there. (laughs) My philosophical debate was more on a personal level because, you know, I care more about me. It was driven by a cocktail of fear and daddy issues. Is there anything I would not do if Charles Dance told me to do it? (laughs) Tywin Lannister is a persuasive man. Yeah, it's just like what happens first shitting your pants because you're petrified or just jumping to do the work yeah yeah exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. You probably you probably jump while shitting <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yep just two questions going. in a row involving poo go us yeah, a, a bit of a shumping situation really really raising the bar here <laughs> aren't you glad you had us on sam oh i'm totally glad totally glad no one's gonna listen to this anyway but <laughs> <laughs> as soon as they see our names on it no <laughs> yeah totally moves us on to question number four which is the first of our patreon questions for the princely sum of five dollars a month you get to have your question in the first 10 questions and this one comes good of the amazing man that is Dave Baker who also has his own Patreon that you should all go check out link is in the notes below but it's basically patreon.com forward slash your favourite on which he posts a ton of content it's awesome and he would like to know is which character from this film would have an awesome social media presence and on what platform well Dave I think that Mothra being kind (laughs) of the showiest of the monsters would probably wouldn't mind splashing herself over a bit of Instagram (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but a tasteful Mothra nudes, you reckon? Yeah, yeah with, you know, the, the, the luminous wing just tastefully covering yep. her pollen-collecting bits or so. I don't know. How do moths work? <laughs> she'd, nothing she'd have to emojis, do with pollen. you know, username, <laughs> that kind of thing. Angelic Mothra kiss. Yeah, <laughs> recreates the cover of Silence of the Lambs or something. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, that's awesome. Well, I was thinking Ken Watanabe would have one of those really cool, you know, like those Bigfoot hunters. He'd have a Twitter dedicated to just hunting Godzilla, like Zero Watch or something, where it's just like blurry photos of Godzilla and just, you know, random coordinates here and there, just the ramblings, basically. I think that would be pretty cool. I like that, Billy. Yeah. <laughs> Except that, I mean, everyone's already seen Godzilla trash a city. They know he's real, don't they? Well, that, yeah, I guess. But they, they don't know where he is. I know. Let's, let's not bring facts into the story. <laughs> I mean, we all know that Bigfoot is real, but we're still interested. That's true. That's true. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah, good point. Uh, for me, it would be Millie Bobby Brown. I can't remember her character's name. Eleven out of Stranger Things. I reckon she'd have <laughs> a Twitter, like a pretty funny Twitter. I, I imagine it would be like Jaden Smith's Twitter, where it's just like a lot of these things don't make sense. Because in this film, we see that she's fully on board of her mum's plan of, well, mostly on board of her mum's plan of destroying the universe. So she's just like, you know, posting things on Twitter, like time is a window and shit like that. I could imagine that. And people just hate following her. <laughs> that moves us <laughs> on to right. number five. Uh, what's something that you know? noticed in this film that you don't think many other people would have immediately noticed. There is something semi-interesting that the film does in terms of the lighting is that there's kind of a reverse colour palette going on because the bad monsters, you know, deal a bit more with, you know, fire or lava or that kind of thing. They're the more kind of yellowy orange colour palette, which generally is associated with, you know, nice warmth, comfort kind of thing in terms of lighting. Whereas Godzilla with his mad-ass radiation or whatever it is, is really blue which normally blue lighting, cold, lonely, whatever. But as we get into the film, you fairly quickly key into whenever you see blue on people's faces or whatever, that's actually a good thing because our Lord and Saviour Godzilla is here to save the day. <laughs> Whereas whenever we get the usual nice, warm, comforting colours, it's like, oh shit, Rodan's going to burn some stuff. For me... It's, it's quite immature and it was merely a snigger, but at one point there they're having these like top secret congressional hearings and Sally Hawkins with all of like five lines that she has in this movie. One of them is that she comments on interspecies relationships. And anyone that's seen oh, Shape of yeah. Water was just like, <laughs> she's like, no, seriously, this this has to happen, and it's okay. She's like me and Godzilla, really? man. It's it's okay. Yeah. Just t- dim dim the lights, put on some Barry Manilow. He's mine. <laughs> in fact, given like you know, we deal with family trees a little bit in the film. Could Sally Hawkins in this film, given that Shape of Water was set in the sixties, is she the daughter? Of the two, of the romantic lead from Shape of Water. Also, what you're saying is she's half fish in this She's film. half fish. Yeah. That's my new headcanon. <laughs> Man. I sort of want to, no, I don't want to go back and watch the movie, but I sort of want to go back and watch the scene she's in to see if she's got gills. Fuck, that's a good fan <laughs> yeah. We should just paint some gills on her. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. We'll fix it in post. Yeah. Not a super interesting one, and I'm sure that other people, of course, noticed this. But I was really, really looking out for someone to say, let them fight. And I was really, really excited when it happened. So for me, I feel like that's the thing that I was most excited about that most other people probably wouldn't have cared. (laughs) Deep stuff from Billy. You work in films, don't you? Like film and TV, and that's that's the thing you notice? Okay, interesting. Yeah, that's that's what I noticed. I was yeah, yeah, I thought Billy was gonna break down some of the VFX for us or something. No. No. Same Let them fight. <laughs> I'm not angry, Billy. I'm just disappointed. <laughs> I've got to hand it. There's another thing I noticed too, which I thought was bloody hilarious, was at one point at the end there 
when like eleven, I'm just going to call it that for the rest of the podcast. When eleven is doing, you're a, right to do that. <laughs> is doing a runner through Fenway, uh, and like Ghidorah is just like completely blowing it to shit. This giant piece of concrete that's about I don't know two or three meters wide falls down, it lands on her, and then just bounces off her. I was like, <laughs> holy shit, this chick's indestructible. <laughs> this is amazing. <laughs> she used her eleven powers. <laughs> yeah. There we go. There's another good fan theory. I was at Fenway like three weeks ago. Yeah. And so that was like the only part of the, the movie I kind of cared about when I was oh, like, so it was, oh, it was I really like that then. stadium. Don't don't trash it. <laughs> oh, oh, poor dog. But there's the, there's the almost cool moment where you're like, oh, okay, you know, Fenway, green monster, you know, it almost works. But then you're like, no, nah, this is still stupid. <laughs> <laughs> question number six is also a Patreon question that comes courtesy of the amazing woman that is Emily Higgins and runs the Sasis podcast. Another awesome podcast I've waxed poetically about a ton of times, but you guys should all go check out. It's fucking awesome. Link is in the show notes. Uh, what is it there, Toph? Emily's question is, which character has probably gone the longest without showering? I'm going to go with Cole Chandler. He's out in the middle of nowhere photographing wolves. That's his life. That's his existence. And then he gets dragged into this plot involving the worst ex-wife in history, we've got to say. But yeah, yeah, definitely him. Yeah, that's a good. That was that was my answer too. But I also think poor Eleven, who has the worst mother in history, is just being dragged around <laughs> on air bases and submarines and God knows what. She's not getting a shower. Yeah, yeah. I had her down as my second option. Eh? Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. Similar wavelengths here. I'm also on Madison Russell, aka Eleven. She's got one parent present, and you know that parent's distracted by trying to end the world. And kids aren't going to clean themselves unless they're made to, so... She's a a teenage girl, though. They probably shower more than teenage boys. Well, yeah, but that's not saying a lot, is it? Well, that's true. I had a ton of showers when I was a teenage boy. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, but how much cleaning did you do? (laughs) Oh, I definitely cleaned the hell out of one part of me, yeah. (laughs) Because the substance on your hands, as much as it looked like shampoo, that's not what it was. (laughs) I was just cleaning it all went off, man. That was all... (laughs) that moves us on to the Stacey Hurley question, which comes courtesy of the amazing co-host that is Stacey Hurley, the Ginger Princess. She would like to know, how would you incorporate Nicolas Cage into this film? I'm so glad that Stacey asks this question every week because I know she's <laughs> such a huge Nicolas Cage fan. The biggest! <laughs> I actually think that it would be really awesome if they would mocap Nicolas Cage's face for the three heads of Ghidorah. <laughs> and just like, you know, model model the heads after him, you know, like they have with, you know, Caesar in Planet of the Apes, you know, just really make it look like Nicolas Cage and just maybe even put some speech in there like Smaug. <laughs> <laughs> Not going to lie, I'd be giving a compliment sandwich if they'd done that. <laughs> yeah. I'm very similar to you, Billy. I thought that when Godzilla did rip off one head, clearly it should have grown back as yes. Nicolas Cage. Oh, that would be great. <laughs> so just two Ghidorah dragon heads and one Nicolas Cage. Head, and he, he like becomes the leader of them. It becomes a bit Three Stooges-ish. <laughs> I've gone like a Stacey route here. I don't even want him to have like a role in the film. I, you know when they go down into Godzilla's lair, you know, they take the submarine down there or whatever? I would have liked Nicolas Cage to have just been this cage painting. Cave painting, cage painting. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I didn't even do that on purpose. I'd like them to be this cave painting on the side of the fucking... Walls, you know, just this giant Nicolas Cage face. That would have been amazing. That's genius. There is that theory that he's immortal. <laughs> exactly. And then Ken Watanabe's character, he would have been the only one to have seen him. <laughs> and then for the third film, we get, we finally get Cage Fighter. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Godzilla turns on the people of Earth, ceases to be a benevolent god monster, and our only hope is a giant Nick Cage. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And then we're on to question number eight which comes courtesy of Julio of the Contrarians podcast. 
Another awesome podcast. That is just, yeah, just go check it out. It's awesome. And Julio wants to know, what is your most controversial opinion about this film? People aren't going to like this. <laughs> Billy already knows this about me. I think that we, the planet, are distracted by the fact that we like the character of Eleven and that Millie Bobby Brown isn't actually very good. Yeah, you've had that thought for a long time that you don't mm. think she's very and, good. And this comes with my usual child disclaimer in that there should be no kids in movies anytime that a movie calls for a child, it should be played by an adult with a bowl cut. So <laughs> I'm probably never going to think they're very good, but yep, there, there it is. Harsh, man. Do I like picking on kids? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes, you do. It's like billion tall people. <laughs> tall women. Oh, tall women, yeah, yeah. Also not true. Let's <laughs> stop spreading that rumor, guys. <laughs> For me, I kind of, it's, this isn't like a Thanos did nothing wrong type level, but I, I kind of agree that they have a point that the environment is going to shit and we sort of need more people to be radical about it. Like, I don't mean like being terrorist or, you know, waking up giant monsters to wipe out the fucking world's population. <laughs> Although I must admit, it would have been nice to have been flamed by Rodin before I went and saw this film. <laughs> <laughs> but I think they've gone I think they've got a good point, you know? We need to do something. We need to get off our ass and be a bit more radical about it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I could understand where Charles Dance was coming from, but also that could just be because I'm terrified of disappointing him. <laughs> yeah, I know. Same. Yeah. Absolutely. That's probably I, what it is. Put any other actor in that role, I'd be like, fuck you guys, but because it's this dude, yeah. definitely. You morph into Jamie Lannister. You're like, okay, Dad. <laughs> yeah. My controversial opinion probably isn't that hard to work out. I don't think this film is that bad. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, you know what? It's It's a little long. There's a few too many humans. And yeah, okay, there's some silly stuff. Like, things just keep happening. The movie should have been over after about 20 minutes. And then all the government's like, you got to get out of there. We've got this new weapon that takes all the oxygen out of the air. Yeah. And then something else happens 10 minutes later. Like, but I had fun. I had a chalk top. It wasn't that bad. <laughs> no, you didn't have a chalk top. No, I didn't. That's right. No. And that's how good this movie that's was. That's how much you liked it. I didn't it. even need a chalk top to have fun. <laughs> you didn't even need sugar-inducing powers. To- <laughs> that's right. This is how shocking it was that Billy didn't have a chalk top. News made it to me. I wasn't there. I don't know this because I was sitting next to Billy in the theatre. News just trickled to me. He's like, yeah. you'll never guess what's happening. <laughs> Billy does not have a chalk top. Who is this person sitting next to me? <laughs> it was on the front page of the Canberra newspaper or something. Like, <laughs> Question nine. What character just clearly needs to get laid? I am going to go with Ken Watanabe's character. We have mentioned that at one point he sacrifices himself when there's a bunch more able-bodied crew on a submarine that probably could have done a better job than him and left one of the world's supposedly smartest men alive. But at that point, he seems to not have anything to live for. Maybe if him and Zhang Ji or one of these other superfluous characters were, you know, knocking boots, he might have had something to live for. That's true. I think it's got to be Coach Taylor's wife. Like, if she'd been getting some, maybe she wouldn't have gone crazy and let monsters out. And I know that I'm probably not supposed to say that out loud because it's not PC, but maybe. Okay, moving on from Billy. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm the monster Rodan. Like, the way he chases after Mothra and will not leave that alone, he's mad keen. <laughs> you think he's trying to mount? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Dollar back a bit, bro. Come on, man. <laughs> I know. Obvious much. And then finally, for our ones that we will answer, is question number 10, which is what top 10 list would you guys have this movie on? I'd have this on top 10 movies that a fan edit could save. 
Like, Ooh. I reckon that, you know, it's this movie's like two hours ten. I reckon if you cut out 40 minutes and got this to a good smooth 90, you could make this a way, way better movie than it is. Because like I said before, there's a lot of times where things just keep happening and you're like, why? Why is that happening? What's going on here? And the humans just keep doing dumber and dumber things. And if you cut out half of that, I think you'd have a pretty solid flick. That's a good point. There's like Zhang Zi, for instance, suddenly like disappears from... The battle where they were, we were in Mexico or whatever, and then she's back at where Mofra's getting birthed or whatever, and some random black dude shows yeah. up, and we're supposed to know who he is, and and it's funny because this film got marketed as being like, oh, you guys were really disappointed in the first movie that did not get enough monster on monster action. There's going to be tons of that in this one. I don't reckon there was that much. You know, any any uh, we watched a thing, listeners who are listening to this and playing Billy Bingo, just got, this movie should be 90 minutes long. (laughs) (laughs) As most movies should be. (laughs) Fair enough. What about you, Tove? My top 10 list would be movies that don't deserve their cast. We've got Vera Farmiga. We've got Bradley Whitford. We've got Sally Hawkins. We've got David Strathairn. We've got Charles Dance. We've got Ken Watanabe. How did all these people sign on for this film? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shit, that's a good point. I feel like I'm just riffing off my Aladdin, but I'm going to go with top 10 films from 2019 I'll never watch again. And to be honest, it's this list is quickly filling up, man. We've got this, we've got Detective <laughs> Pikachu, we've got Aladdin, Glass. There's so many films, I'm just like, nah, done with that, never going to watch that again. Yeah, that's true. And not even all bad movies. Like, I saw Detective Pikachu and Aladdin, and they were okay, but there's no need to watch them again. That's correct, yeah. And that moves us on to our personal questions, which is three questions we throw out there to the other two to answer that we don't have to answer ourselves. Now, Tofu, why don't you lead us off with your questions? Happy to, Sam. Uh, My first one is, is it a piece of filmmaking genius that audiences' brains will be so unengaged during this movie that no one will care that the film's title describes the final scene in what could be called a slight spoiler? Yes. Jesus, mate. <laughs> Honestly, you are just picking at things. <laughs> firstly, yeah, it's almost firstly, like I want the movie to make sense, Billy. Firstly, the scene is amazing. Monsters bowing. Monsters bowing, to It's the dumbest thing There's I've seen monsters. on a screen. You have, when have you ever seen a woolly mammoth bow before? You haven't. How great is that? It's amazing. <laughs> You've seen me pick stuff up off the ground, though, which Secondly, is close enough. <laughs> if you think that's a spoiler, then, mate, The Hangover is a spoiler because they get hungover. Bridesmaids is a spoiler because they're bridesmaids. What about Champions? The Hangover, that's a spoiler. They do not get hungover in the last scene of the film, Billy. Nah, mate, Champions is a spoiler. If you want to talk about spoilerish titles, that should have been called Mighty Ducks. <laughs> All I can think while watching you two talk about this is, let them fight. (laughs) (laughs) In one of the best lines in cinema history. (laughs) Exactly. Topher, I'm with you, man. Honestly, it's just hiding in plain sight. It totally describes the plot of the movie. It is. It's, It's marketing genius of hiding in plain sight. Not a lot of tension, is there? But they no. do it the entire movie. How many times did a random character just want to go, long live the king? <laughs> <laughs> it was ridiculous and cheesy and so much fun. But here's the thing, though, as well. like We know there's a King Kong vs. Godzilla film coming. At no point yeah. do we think to ourselves, Godzilla's going to die. No, but And that- where's King Kong? These things are literally coming up out of the ground to join the fray. King Kong's already... I mean, I didn't see that bucket of crap but is he not already loose somewhere like where's he he's on skull island but i mean that that's the thing i thought the same thing right so obviously he doesn't come to san fran because he can't swim he's a monkey how the hell did the woolly mammoth get to san fran (laughs) was it coming down from i don't know was it in quebec i don't know the woolly mammoth was in germany 
It came up out of right. It was came up out of Munich. Oh, that was when I found out that Munich is actually on the side of a hill in rural Germany. Yeah, 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 yeah. not not that city that I visited. You know, twelve years ago or something. <laughs> no, nah, it's three houses on the side of a hill in Bavaria. <laughs> yeah. But that I think was their biggest mistake in marketing: is Godzilla is king of the monsters, but what's King Kong king of? Like, why are there two kings? The Kongs. Yeah, the Kongs should have been god of the monsters. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> enough on enough on that. Question 12. Since the film spends 30 truly uninteresting seconds on Xi Jiang's character's family tree, would it not have been cooler if it turned out that she's a descendant of her hidden dragon character from centuries earlier and her character then took on one of the titans in a bout of fisticuffs, possibly armed with a dope sword? Yes. <laughs> yeah. that, I mean, that's, that's the answer. Yes. yes. I mean, monsters fighting monsters is already cool, but there's nothing cooler than a chick with a big sword. <laughs> like, yes, is the answer. That is true. I, I also went yes, but I reckon it would have even been better if she actually was a hidden dragon. I mean, we find out in this film that humans are, are apex predators. If she'd just gone sulk smash and turned into a goddamn dragon <laughs> halfway through a battle and just started ripping shit up, that would have been fucking awesome. That's the movie I want. That would have been cool. I'd have been much happier. <laughs> yeah. Side qu- side question, how much better is Crouching Tiger Hidden Dragon than this film? <laughs> <laughs> Loads. Oh, <laughs> so much better. Exponentially better. There we go. Exponentially better. Exponentially. It's I at like least it. a thousand points better <laughs> <laughs> out of 10,000. <laughs> uh, question 13. In terms of characters played by Kyle Chandler, which has the more daunting undertaking? Battling titans raised from their centuries-old slumber in Godzilla, King of the Monsters, or trying to get a bunch of teenage boys to do what they're told in Friday Night Lights? Oh, I reckon it's easily the teenage boys. I mean, he's made it unnecessarily hard on himself by even being there to start with. I mean, like, sure, he wants his family back, but does that mean throwing yourself headfirst with a bunch of scientists into battles that you're, like, woefully outgunned in? No, he's a complete dumbass. Like, there's no reason why he needs to go to Antarctica. They've just been told the base has been taken over. Why, why is he there? Why is he there? Yeah, I, I'm with you, Sam. I think he's got a way harder time in Godzilla. Also, like, those boys, they, they want to play football. Like, <laughs> Godzilla doesn't want to do what he's told. <laughs> True. <yeah. laughs> and that moves us on to my set of personal questions. Okay, guys, which one of the monsters do you think is the biggest sexual deviant? I'm going with, with Godzilla. His big alpha cry, I think, is clearly just a glorified mating call, and he just roams the earth, yelling out, I'm here for some tail. True. Good point. Good point. That's true. Also, we know that he bangs a moth. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. So, I mean, if he you're willing to a bang a moth, moth, like, what else are you willing to bang? Oh, come on. We've all been there, boys. <laughs> yeah. But I actually, for me, he's been mentioned a few times, but for me, I think it's the woolly mammoth for no reason other than he reminds me of Topher. <laughs> Like a big hairy thing popping out of the hills in Munich looking for a beer. Like that's just Topher written all over it. It's my spirit animal. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. That's absolutely fucking brilliant. Yesterday I went I was in the bathroom at one point, probably just washing my hands or something, and I realized that I had moisturizer in my beard. <laughs> I don't know how long it had been there for, but it looked suspect. Are you sure it was moisturiser and this wasn't a something about Mary situation? No, no, it's just, just a little ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Okay, my next question is probably a little bit more poignant, but uh, supposedly the creation of Godzilla is considered a response to nuclear bombing and its impact on Japanese culture. What type of giant monster and what event that caused it would you pitch as a movie for Australia? My monster is going to be called Pale Face the Destructor. <laughs> um, Pale Face the Destructor 
is a nocturnal predator uh, due to the sensitivity to the harsh Australian sun. This monster terrorises the indigenous population. The film has worldwide appeal because, you know, what corner of the earth did the Brits not lob into and invited <laughs> and start killing people? So... Pale face the destructor. That's a bit sad. That's got me that's got me bummed out. <laughs> I went with a giant wombat who awakens from his slumber to terrorize everyone who voted in the recent Australian election. <laughs> <laughs> And then the survivors all moved to New Zealand. <laughs> <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. Anywho, that moves me on to my final question. Well, Aaron Taylor-Johnson and Elizabeth Olsen played two of the most unmemorable characters in the first film. And surprisingly, they weren't included in this film. Don't know where they were. So I want to know from you guys, what do you guys reckon their characters are up to during this film? I'm pretty sure that they were probably dead of radiation poisoning. <laughs> I, I think that's the only logical answer. All right, nice. nice quick answer. <laughs> I got really. nothing else. I like it. <laughs> I think they're they're stuck in a loop, like the spinning wheel when your computer freezes, cycling between wanting to get it on to thinking they're related, <laughs> going back to the MCU, and they keep they've never left this room because they keep like they go for each other and then they go, Ugh! but then they're like, oh hello, and then Ugh! <laughs> so they're now probably dead because they can't even make it to the kitchen for food. So either way, yeah, dead. <laughs> And that moves us on to Billy's set of questions. Alrighty, so we've kind of covered this already, but what chance does King Kong, a big monkey, have against Godzilla, the literal king of the monsters who can breathe straight up radiation? Like, how is that a fair fight? I think if we check the odds the next time the Wallabies play the All Blacks, we'll get a pretty good gauge. <laughs> <laughs> it's about that. Yes, rugby chat. <laughs> uh, King Kong... Yeah, going to get dominated like a wallaby. Absolutely. What's he even going to do? <laughs> Die? Who's taller? <laughs> Who's taller, actually? Is King Kong bigger? No. It's interesting because I actually watched Kong Skull Island last night. I don't know why. That's what I do on Saturday nights now that I have a pregnant wife. <laughs> <laughs> I still think he's got absolutely no chance. I mean, in a throwaway line in that film, John C. Riley states that he's still young and he's growing. But unless he's five times bigger than Kong, he's screwed. Not to mention that, I don't know if you guys hung around, I sure as fuck didn't, but there's a post credit scene for King of Monsters where it's not just Godzilla going to Skull Island to take on Kong, it's all the monsters are with him. They're like following him like pack animals. Really? Kong, yeah, yeah. So it's not just Kong versus Godzilla, it's Kong versus Godzilla and all his boys. And his posse. Yeah. Wow. So what did Kong do to piss off Godzilla and his mates? <laughs> Didn't accept Mothra's like, friend request on something. That's just like Godzilla being like, oh, I'm going to come around there with my cousins, bro. <laughs> like, I reckon Kong would have banged his mum. I reckon that's what it is. A classic Kong move. Yeah. <laughs> right, on to my second question. If you guys were to grow to 50 feet tall and wreak havoc on a city, what covert government weapon do you think would have the best chance of stopping you? This one's easy for me. It would be one of those giant KFC buckets that you see <laughs> on top of a KFC. I would pause, and if it was filled with chicken, I'd be like, hmm, this is great. And then as basically they've just taken a KFC bucket, packed it full of explosives, and then layered the top with hot and spicy chicken, and that would be enough for me to just pick it up, and then the rest of New Zealand would be treated to a fireworks display coming out of my guts. Do those buckets still spin where you are? No, nah, they haven't spun for a long time, and there's not a day goes yeah, by that same I don't think here. of that. I know, it's a bit sad. <laughs> <laughs> Cheap tequila. That'll stop me in my tracks. <laughs> History has shown that it's effective. <laughs> That's a good one. All right, my final question. 
With the amount of radiation blasted all over the entire world in this film, what chance is there that anybody survives unmutated in 10 years? Like, is this an X-Men prequel? Ooh, that's a good one. I reckon there's zero chance that anyone's alive. I reckon Taiwan Lannis is one, Mexico is screwed, the northeastern seaboard of USA is screwed. I mean, we've had 20-something monsters destroying the world during this film, and so the entire planet's screwed. Aside from New Zealand, I reckon it'll take about five years before the radiation cloud realises that we aren't a made-up country and then comes out to <laughs> comes out these ways to take us out. I reckon we've got a good five years. I was going to say, we should... We, I mean, it'd be interesting to go back at this movie, and when they show the world map and all the monsters' positions, I did see one in Australia over in WA. I don't even think New Zealand was on that map. Oh, we never are. <laughs> yeah, there's a whole subreddit, Maps Without New Zealand, which is just, it's great. <laughs> we don't want the people to know about us, Billy, man. If they know they'll move here, paradise will yeah. be ruined. Yeah, I have here that New Zealand's fine because it's just in a little pocket of the world where radiation I don't think we'll quite get to. Mm. So that's a good news for Sam. Yes. Um, Australia, could, like, we're pretty out of the way. We could be okay, except that our government will be bribed in to using Godzilla radiation instead of solar energy by some cashed up flog more concerned with profits than a habitable planet. That's true. Well, global warming doesn't exist. And so, so. we'll be stuffed. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, everyone but New Zealand. Yay, yay for us. And that takes us down to the final question, which is usually a fan question, but because... Uh, how do you answer this if you're a fan? <laughs> what I want to know from us is what sound do you guys reckon Godzilla would make if he was incredibly constipated? It's the same sound he makes for anything. He has a vocabulary of one. No, but I want to he hear... He has one noise. I want to hear your Godzilla impression of him <laughs> constipated. Very well. <laughs> that isn't bad. I feel like... Like, I feel like if he was constipated, he's probably shitting straight radiation. That's going to hurt. I think he's going to go a little bit higher pitched. And he's going to sound a little bit more Chewbacca-ish, I think. But, like, still with his... I think it's... That sounded like he was passing stones. Yeah, I think that's what it would be like. I think it would be hard, man. Like, imagine shitting radiation. Like, it's bad enough being constipated. Uh, was, well, I was going to say, it's like the next level of having too much chili the day before. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's just whimpering on the can. Yeah. <laughs> and the words of Johnny Cash fell into a burning ring of fire. <laughs> yeah, I reckon it's going to be something like... Yeah, it's going to sound pained. <laughs> this podcast is at new heights. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Anywho, that takes us down to the end. And yeah, what are we up to now? Episode 93. You know, when I started this podcast, I didn't want it to be three white dudes sitting around with beards talking about <laughs> talking about movies. <laughs> but look, we've made it. We were here. And I, uh, oh, I couldn't have done it with two better guys. Thank you guys so much for coming <laughs> on the podcast. Why don't you tell everyone about your show and all that sort of good stuff? Oh, thank you so much for having it. We love coming on this show. This is literally one of my favorites that I listen to every week. Uh, if people do, for some reason, after this exhibition, want to listen to us, <laughs> you can do that at wewatchedathing.com and you can find us on all of the, uh, you know, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Overcast, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're there as We Watch The Thing. And we are on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, all at We Watch The Thing as well. You got anything, Tove? I think that pretty well covered it. Good job, Billy. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to, you don't want to thank Sam for having us. Oh, I think it's clear that we're doing Sam a favor. <laughs> I mean, he already said he tried everyone else. <laughs> it is true. It's amazing how resounding the nose I got was. Even even Machu and like people like that who have no taste of class whatsoever is. Hey, do you want to go to Godzilla or pay for your ticket? Oh, fuck off, bro. 
<laughs> okay. Interesting that you didn't offer to pay for our tickets, Sam. That's interesting. <laughs> Coming up next week on the podcast Beautiful. is. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, thanks again to these guys. As I mentioned on last week's episode with John Mark Junkins, the only reason why I get these guys on my show is because I really love their show as well. You know, I've road tested them, they're real awesome, and that's the reason why I get these guys on. And interestingly, these guys also provided us with two questions for the 100th episode, which is going to be coming out in seven to eight weeks something like that but we'll probably be on our patreon way quicker so yeah final wrap up is if you like the show and want to get in contact with us you can find us on twitter we were most prolific at movie reviews in we also post occasionally on facebook at movie reviews and 20 Qs. send us an email at mritqs at gmail.com upcoming episodes the aforementioned emily higgins will be coming on to talk silence of the lambs we're gonna have paul and wayne from the countdown podcast on to do basic instinct <laughs> God, can't wait. Stacey's never seen it. She's going to love watching that film, I think. And yeah, that's pretty much it. Thanks to you guys for joining us. Thanks to our Patreon for the money to pay to go see these films. And uh, yeah, that's thanks for me. Thanks, thanks Sam. For me. Pleasure as always. Sure.